Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out the Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. My goodness, that was amazing. Um, I feel like I could just pray and say amen right now and we could leave. Um, well, we won't do that. Uh, I'm excited for tonight. And before we dive in with where we're going tonight, um, let me just pause and tell you what's coming up at TLR. Uh, first things first, next Monday is February 14th, which is my wife's birthday, um, but it's... <laughs> It's also Valentine's Day, um, and there's somebody in the room that's like, yo, bro, you just saved me, because that was not even on my radar. Look, make a reservation. If you have a significant other, you know, like especially guys in the room, get on it. Now's the time. Don't wait. Um, but anyways, so we're taking off next Monday uh, for Valentine's, for my wife's birthday, but also, that's not really like why we're taking, it's kind of the reason. No, that's not the reason. Um, but it's Valentine's Day. It's also the day after the Super Bowl, and so we're just taking off next week, but then we'll be back strong on Monday, February 21st. And I'm really excited about February 21st because we're kicking off a new three-part series. And before I tell you what that series is going to be about, before I tell you the title of that series, um, I'm just curious. Like, it's, you know, February is rolling along like the semester. We're almost at the midway point. Spring break is just a few weeks around the corner for a lot of you. Um, The end of the spring semester is not that far off, which I wonder if, like, when February hits... I wonder if some of you would say, Matt, yeah, like I feel like I'm a little, I'm starting to get a little bit stressed. Um, I'm starting to get a little worried, maybe a little anxious. Maybe some of you would be like, Matt, I'm already lacking motivation. This isn't good. I feel super distracted. Um, Matt, I feel like I never really had motivation. Like I'm just trying to find it still, you know, we're a few weeks in. I'm like, yo, like what am I doing? You know, like people are calling like family members, like how are the grades? And you're like, oh, how are the grades? I don't know. Um, But if you felt any of those things, or if you've just been like, Matt, I feel like I'm just struggling, man, or like I'm about to start struggling, or I've been struggling and I I can't break it. Um, If you've ever felt like you were on the struggle bus, okay, you've been on it, you're trying to get off it, you think you might be getting on it pretty soon, um, then you don't want to miss February 21st and the next two weeks after that, um, because we're going to talk about Uh, emotional health, we're gonna talk about anxiety, we're gonna talk about worry, stress, all those things, we're gonna talk about distractions, we're gonna talk about motivation, we're gonna talk about focus. I'm telling you, this is a series, Struggle Bus is a series, three-part series, starts on February 21st, that you don't wanna miss, and it's a great opportunity, like a really, really incredible opportunity for you to bring some friends with you as well, maybe your roommate, maybe that person you work with, the person you're in class, maybe your boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, I'm telling you, this is gonna be a very helpful, very practical series that you don't wanna miss. So I'm super excited for that on February 21st, but also February 21st, we get the opportunity to celebrate uh, with a few people from the TLR family who are gonna be baptized on that night. And if you don't know what baptism is or you've never experienced baptism before at the living room, it's really just a huge celebration. Um, Baptism is a decision that people make after they've put their faith and trust in Jesus. Um, Baptism is just them saying publicly, hey, I've put my faith in Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. Baptism is an outward symbol of you letting everyone know the decision that you've made to become a follower of Jesus. And so we're really excited about that. We get to celebrate, I think, with three or four people from our family um, on February 21st, and it's gonna be amazing. Normally, baptism nights, like at the end of the semester, um, we've got a bunch of you that are looking to be baptized, which is incredible. 
And so we're doing it um, on the 21st, but then also again at the end of the semester. So there's a couple opportunities, but if you feel like that could be a great next step for you, baptism, or like you have questions about it, you wanna know more, or maybe you're like, yo, I know this is the step I need to take. I've been pushing it off for too long then I would love for you like right now or at some point tonight, like don't procrastinate on this. I would love for you to just text baptism to that number right there on the screens. You'll get a link sent back to you. It's a form that you're gonna click, uh, fill out that form. It'll take you like less than a minute to fill it out. And then someone from our team will follow up with you this week or a couple days after you fill out the form and kind of let you know your next steps in the process. So don't miss February 21st. It's gonna be incredible. But back to tonight. Tonight, we are continuing on in this series, actually wrapping up this series that we began last week called That Hits Different. That Hits Different. And the question that I asked you last week at the start of last week in part one, and really the foundational question for this series, I think is one of the most important questions you could ever consider in your life. And it's this question right here. Who is Jesus to you? Not who is Jesus to your grandparents or your mom and dad or your aunt or uncle or your cousins or your friend that invited you here tonight or your small group leader. No, 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 no. Who is Jesus to you? And we talked about the fact that if you clearly see who Jesus is, like who Jesus really is, if you see his character, if you see his heart for people, if you see his love towards you, that hits different. But my guess is, is for many of you, when you think about Jesus, maybe if you've heard anything at all about Jesus in your life, you've probably heard about like some of the amazing things that he did, right? Like you've heard about the miracles that Jesus performed. Maybe you've heard about the miracle of him walking on water or the miracle of him feeding like over 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish or like the miracle of him giving sight to the blind, all these amazing things that he did. And maybe you've heard about these miracles and you've thought to yourself, wow, that's an incredible story. Like that's inspiring, that's, that's awesome. But then if you're anything like me, maybe your next thought was, I don't really feel like Jesus is doing that in my life. I, I don't even see him like doing that really today that much in our world. Like maybe he does, but I just haven't really seen it. So maybe unintentionally, like when you've heard about these miracles, maybe it's actually like formed this like gap between you and God. Like maybe God already felt far off to you. Like, ah, I don't know how I feel like, if I, can I believe in God? I know he's real, but is he? But then maybe as you've heard about these miracles, you've been like, I don't know. Just seems like they're way up there. These are cool stories, awesome, but like, what do they mean for me? Maybe you've thought this question right here. You've even said this out loud to yourself. What do the miracles Jesus performed actually mean for me? I've been there. Like at times I'm still there. Like, hey, what do these miracles that Jesus performed actually mean for me and my life and my faith? And here's my hope for tonight. Tonight, we're gonna look at one of Jesus's most famous, greatest, maybe one of his most unexpected miracles that he ever performed. And my hope for tonight is that you will see that this miracle Jesus performed is actually a miracle for you. It's a miracle for me. It's a miracle for every single one of us. And if you can just see it, 
tonight, like if it clicks for you at some point and you can see it, man, this miracle wasn't just a miracle that he performed a whole long time ago. This, like, this isn't just a historical story. No, this is a miracle that he still is performing today. In fact, it's a miracle that he wants to perform for me. It's a miracle he wants to perform for you. If this is what you can see tonight, then you're gonna get a really clear picture of Jesus's heart for you. And that hits different. So let me give you a little context. Jesus had this really close friend, close like a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus was very sick, like extremely sick, like on the point of like death, right? And Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha bring Jesus this news about their brother Lazarus who is sick. And it's recorded in the gospel of John. And this is what John records in John chapter 11, beginning in verse three. Mary and Martha come to Jesus with this news and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Like they didn't even feel like they needed to elaborate or give any more details because they're like, Jesus, you love him. The one you love, you know who we're talking about? The one that you love, Jesus is sick. And my guess is they probably thought that upon hearing this, Jesus was just gonna drop everything. Like no matter what he was doing, no matter what he was involved in, no matter what his schedule looked like that day or that week, that he was just gonna forego it all and be like, yo, Lazarus is sick, like real sick. Okay, I'm gone. Like I'm, I'm, I'm immediately attending to that. But look what happens next. Text goes on, verse four. It says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So essentially what Jesus is saying here is that this sickness was going to be left unattended for a period of time on purpose for a purpose. So Jesus is like, hey, this sickness is gonna be left unattended. I'm not gonna go, right, right, go there right away, but it's gonna be left unattended on purpose for a purpose. Like, you gotta trust me, I'm doing something here. And so it goes on, the very next verse says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So it reiterates the fact that Jesus loves these people like he loves Mary and Martha, he loves Lazarus. They're like family to him. But then it goes on and says, he decides to stay where he is for the next two days, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me if I'm just being honest with you. Like my guess is, the text doesn't explicitly say this, but my guess is this must've felt at least a little bit confusing to Mary and Martha. Like it had to at least to some degree present a little bit of doubt. And it might've made them think, hey, does Jesus really hear our cry? Like, does Jesus care? Does, does Jesus really love us the way that we thought that he did? Because it doesn't really feel like it. Like Jesus, you're gonna stay where you are for two days? We understood if it was like two hours, but two days? And I wonder, if I could just step back from the story for just a second, I wonder if anybody in the room tonight has ever felt this way. Where like, you've heard that Jesus loves you. You've heard that he's got a great plan and purpose for your life. But then when you recognize the circumstances in life that you find yourself in, you can't help but wonder why. When you recall experiences in your life, it doesn't make any sense. When you reflect on what you've done in your life, you begin to believe that you've somehow disqualified yourself. And you're wondering, just like maybe Mary and Martha were, Jesus, where are you? 
Are you really who you say you are? Can you really do what you say you're gonna do? So after two days of waiting, of just staying put, Jesus decides now it's time to go. It's time to go to Judea where Lazarus is. It's time to go see him. And Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, they're concerned. They're like, all right, Jesus, so it's time for us to go. And we're going to Judea, okay? Like, Jesus, do you remember what happened the last time we went there? Jesus, the last time we went there, the Jews there tried stoning you. Like, let's just refresh your memory here in case you didn't, I'm sure you didn't forget Jesus, you're God. Um, I'm sure you remember this, but in case you don't, last time we passed through Judea, that town, the Jews there were trying to stone you. And, and I'm just, again, I'm kind of just adding this to the story, which I know is not the right thing to do, but sometimes it's where my imagination goes. Like the disciples of Jesus probably were like, yo, you're Jesus. So like when you walk through a town, people can throw stones at you and you can just go hit the gritty on them and be like, oh, you missed me again, you know? But Jesus, <laughs> I will never gritty again from stage, I promise you. But they're probably like, Jesus, we can't do that. Like you're God, you can pull matrix type stuff, you know, and like the stones can be right here and you can just be like, whoa, you know. But like if the stones miss you, they're gonna hit us, Jesus. It's like, are you sure we wanna do this? They're trying to talk him out of it. They're like, I don't know if this is a good idea. But Jesus responds to them and he says this. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's gonna get better. They're like, yo, Jesus, okay, cool, cool. We didn't know that. He's just sleeping. We don't wanna be rude, Jesus. Like, you know, when you don't feel good, rest is a good thing. Like when you're sick, if I'm ever sick and I'm sleeping and like my wife comes in the room, she's like, time to get up. I'm like, no, it's not. You know, like, let me sleep. It's, it's, it's helping me to feel better. So Jesus' disciples are like, yo, yo, Jesus, we're good then. He's just asleep. Like, let's just let him rest. You know, we'll go see him later on. We'll be all right. And Jesus is like, you're not getting it. So he goes on, he says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Jesus is like, hey, you're not getting what I'm saying here. Okay, I was trying to put it like a nice way, but Lazarus is dead. And for your sake and for the sake of others, for the sake of the world, really, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Because again, this situation was being left unattended on purpose for a purpose. God was doing something. God's always doing something. Even when we don't see it, he was working. He was moving. He was getting ready to do something. And so Jesus goes, they go. They go to Judea to see Lazarus. When they're getting close, Martha, the sister of Lazarus, hears that Jesus is coming. And this is what the text says. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him but Mary stayed at home. It goes on. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So Martha was honest with her disappointment. Like she didn't hold back. She's like, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She was honest with her disappointment, but yet at the same time, she professed that she would trust Jesus despite her disappointment. Despite the situation, despite her disappointment, despite her pain and her grief, she was publicly declaring, Jesus, I'll still trust you. Jesus was literally her firm foundation in this moment. And Jesus says back to her, he says, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus makes this really big statement. Hey, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. Like if you put your faith, if you put your trust in me, if you believe in me, then even though you die, you're gonna live. And Jesus is like, Martha, do you believe this? He asked her point blank and look at the response. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. So Martha's like, I believe. In the midst of my grief, in the midst of my pain, I believe you are who you say you are and that you'll do what you say you're gonna do. I believe. So then Martha goes and tells her sister Mary that Jesus wants to see her, that he's come to the town. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, here it is again, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary's words are remarkably similar to Martha's. She says essentially the same exact thing. Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, if only you had been here, my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. Mary and Martha are sisters. It's very likely, I would assume that they talked about this and that they probably said this phrase, if only Jesus had been here, dozens of times to one another, right? Maybe you can recall personally for you a moment or season in your life when you've had a very similar thought. Lord, if, if only you had been here, my hope wouldn't have died. Lord, if only you had been here, my faith wouldn't have died. Lord, if only you had been here, my confidence wouldn't have died. Lord, if only you had been here, my, my future wouldn't have died. Lord, where were you? Where are you? If only you had been here. Hey, can I tell you something? It's okay to be honest with God. Mary and Martha were. It's okay to share your disappointments with God. It's okay to say words like this. Maybe sometimes it doesn't feel okay, but he already knows what you're thinking. It's okay to say, Lord, if only you had been here, you fill in the blank. This wouldn't have died. It wouldn't have ended like this. You could have changed things. Why didn't you? It's okay to bring God your doubts, your questions, your honest thoughts, your frustrations, your hurt, your pain. Please do. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw that the other people were wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? The next verse, where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Now pause. The very next line, the very next verse in this story, verse 35 that we're about to read, it's the shortest verse in all the Bible. Two words, but I'm telling you, I believe it's one of the most potent lines in the entire narrative of scripture because it offers a vivid lens directly into the heart of God. Look at Jesus' response here. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept, he sees the pain, he sees what the people are going through, he feels it. This is a perfect example of the fact that Jesus was fully God 
but also fully human. Can we comprehend that fully? We absolutely cannot. Is that okay? Yes. Jesus was fully God, but fully man. He feels what you and I feel. He's not just distant. He's not someone who just doesn't have any emotions. No, no, Jesus wept. I imagine like he's getting on the ground, sobbing with her, putting his arms around the people, feeling their pain with them in the moment. Jesus enters into this moment. And this isn't, hear me on this TLR. This isn't just a story of the past. This is a story for a today. This is a story for you. It's a story for me. Jesus wants to enter into the present moment of your life. Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, still honest with God, but Lord, the sister of the dead man said, by this time there is a bad odor for he's been dead for four days. Jesus, you're late to the funeral. This man, Lazarus, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. That's cool, you wanna roll away the stone, but you missed it. That, that, that opportunity's come and gone. It's gonna smell terrible, we're not doing that. But they did it anyways, they rolled away the stone. And then look at what happens, this is incredible. Then Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. Amazing. One of his greatest miracles, an unexpected miracle. Jesus brings this man who's been dead for four days. He brings him back to life. However, Jesus didn't miraculously remove the grave clothes that Lazarus was wearing. He could have, but Jesus didn't do that. I read one scholar and theologian who said it this way. He said, it was possible that Lazarus, while being physically alive, would continue to live as if he were still dead. The miracle that Jesus performed for Lazarus is a miracle that he wants to perform for you. Jesus wants to bring you to life spiritually. Some of you are spiritually dead and Jesus wants to bring you to become spiritually alive. Others of you, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've received that Lazarus miracle in your life, but you're still living as if you've got the grave clothes on. For some of you, you're saved. You've put your faith in Jesus. You've said yes to the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins, but he didn't stay dead, he rose from the grave. But yet you are still living as if you're not, as if you're not free, as if you're still in the grave and the stone is still rolled in front of you. Some of you, you have to step into your freedom. Jesus has saved you, but he's gonna say, hey, I've given you freedom, but now you gotta step into it. Some of you gotta let go of the grave clothes, like take them off. I don't know what's holding you back. Lazarus could have continued to live fully alive physically, but completely dead otherwise. Jesus not only wants to save you eternally, but he wants to free you to live life to the full here and now. Final thing I wanna to say tonight is this. I know that some of you in the room have all the excuses building up in your mind for you. 
you hear this and you're like, yeah, but Matt, you don't know my story. You don't know my past, bro. Like, I don't know. I don't think I'm there yet. I feel like I need to like learn a lot more, read a lot more scripture, you know, sing a lot more songs. I don't know any of the words to the songs tonight, Matt. I at least have to know one of those, right? Like, you know, you're thinking all these things, like, you know you, you know your stories. You've been a part of all the bad decisions you've ever made in your life. But can I tell you this and hear me on this, TLR, please don't ever forget this. Hey, Jesus, Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. That's good news. Jesus is a much, yeah, I don't know who did that, but you could cheer for that. Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. Hey, Matt, speaking to myself, Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. To the girl in the room who thinks you've disqualified yourself, can I tell you something? Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. To the guy in the room who just feels like, man, you don't have the strength, you don't have what it takes. Hey, Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. To the adult leader in the room who thinks, man, I've blown it, I missed my time. No, 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 Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. To anyone watching online right now who feels like, no, 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 this isn't true for me, no, no. Jesus is a greater savior than you are a sinner. There's nothing we could ever do to change that. His love for you, his love for me, his love for the world is an unconditional love. Meaning we could never do anything that would make God love us any more or less than he already does. I heard a preacher say this today and I feel like God wanted me to hear this because I'm sharing it with you tonight. He said, there's a lot of people like myself, a lot of pastors who feel like it's our role to get you to love God. It's not my role to get you to love God. I can't make you love God. It's my role, it's my responsibility to tell you how much God loves you. You hate God, he loves you. You feel far from God, he loves you. You've made a lot of bad choices. You made a lot of bad choices today, he loves you. You may feel really far from God, rest assured he's a whole lot closer than you think. And if you don't believe me, why are you here tonight? Maybe God has you here on purpose for a purpose. Maybe tonight God wanted you to know, hey, that miracle that I did for Lazarus, I wanna do that miracle for you in your life tonight. Maybe you clearly hear the voice of your heavenly father saying, hey, come out, step out, step into the freedom that I have for you. Take off the grave clothes. Live free. So we're about to close with the song. And I love this song. It's a song that's been encouraging my faith, honestly, for the last few months. I've had it on repeat. It's a song that rose up in our church. And it's a song called Deliverer. And there's a line in this song, the main line in this song, just says, if I know one thing, our God is a deliverer. Hey, I, I don't know your story. For some of you, I know parts of your story, but for most of you, I don't know your story. But can I tell you one thing that's true for you? If I know one thing, our God, my God, your God, he's a deliverer. And he can set you free from whatever you feel like you're in bondage to. So tonight in these final few moments that we have together, I'm just praying that there would be a breath, a fresh wind of freedom blow over this place. That even if you're watching online, that like through the screen, you would just feel freedom come over you. Heavenly Father, thank you. 
God, thank you. You are our deliverer. God, you see us when we're on the mountaintop and you see us when we're in the valley. God, you feel what we feel. And God, I pray that tonight we would feel your love, that we would feel your freedom, that we would really know without a shadow of a doubt that we're your sons, we're your daughters, that you love us, that you're for us, that you have great things in store, that you're not done, that if we still have a pulse, then you still have a purpose for our lives. And so Heavenly Father, speak to us in these next few minutes as we sing. Remind us of who we are in Christ. It's in your mighty, mighty name that we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at The Living Room ATL. Remember TLR fam, we love you, we're for you, and we'll see you next time.